I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now oh, another. He's oh. inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover. Breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You are listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Spartan Red Zone with your hosts, Dan Tyler and Andre Sims. All right, all right, all right. What's up, East Lansing? You heard it here. You're listening to the Spartan Red Zone, as always, with your host, Dan Tyler. I'm here with my man, again, as always, Andre Sims. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just uh, getting to another week. So far, so good. It's only Tuesday, right? That's the wrong that's the wrong attitude to have, but yeah, we're getting through the week. It's <laughs> oh. Tuesday, we're getting through it. So we got a lot to talk about today, so I figured let's dive right in. So 2014 is a big year for college football fans. Uh, it's the end of an era, the end of a terrible era, the BCS era. Nobody liked it. We're not sure why they kept going with it. And finally, college football fans' wishes came true uh, about a couple years ago when they decided 2014 was going to be the first year there was a college football playoff. So what that means, uh, there's a four-team playoff, the Rose Bowl, and what was the other one? I can't uh, remember. Sugar Bowl. The Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl will be the two games, the two venues where the semifinal games are played. The winner of those games play, obviously, in the national title. Uh, the four teams will be selected by a selection committee, much like in the NCAA basketball tournament, except, obviously, a lot fewer teams. Different sport, you can't be playing six more football games in a season, that would just be absurd. So first question, I figured you're the right man to ask being a football player yourself here for the Spartans. What's it like being a player and seeing a, a more fair type of way for teams to finish their season? Um, as far as fair, uh, I guess you can say that we're kind of, we're kind of happy that, you know, a lot more teams are getting a, a good opportunity to go to, national championship game which is in I think they said it was in North Texas um but yeah it gives a lot more teams the opportunity to make it to that big game because you know everybody wants to be a national championship so the playoff system is um just what we need for any college athlete or any college fan who's real really into the game you know so this was this was right on time for us so right on time could have been a little better timing though if it was uh if it actually started last year, we would be seeing the green and white in the in the You're football so right. players. I was I was saying right on time because I'm still in it. I can do it. You know what I'm saying? Me yep. personally, personally. There you go. I can you know, and all the you know people who are in you know MSU right now, like students, faculty, you know, any fans, you know what I'm saying? There's, we have an opportunity to to do it. We're so close. You know, yeah. Ranked, we're being ranked in the top four. We're already there. I'm not. You know, let's knock on wood. You know, let's not jinx ourselves, but. We're so close right now. We just need to do what we got to do this summer, uh, workouts and stuff like that, and let the let the let the field talk. Let the field talk for us. So, yeah, you know that's big, and uh, you know I've seen some preseason rankings. You know, like you said, a lot of top four, at worst, you know, top five or six or something. So definitely right there, and uh, kind of segueing into another topic based on the playoffs. A team that I've seen that's projected a lot to make into the playoffs as opposed to Michigan State, is Oregon. Incidentally, uh, just no surprise to Michigan State fans who we were playing on their second game of the season. So 
having a team that's projected to go into the final four, I guess you can call it the college football playoff over yourselves, who you play in your non-conference schedule. Um, does it kind of put a chip on your shoulder? Does it make you think about that game a little extra? You know, how does it make some of you guys feel in the locker room? That's exactly what it does. It puts a chip on our shoulder knowing that the team that people are saying is going to be there or going to be the national champions for next year, and we have the chance and the opportunity to play them in the very beginning of the season just to jumpstart or carry us into our regular season. This is Oregon's a good team, very fast. Everybody knows about Oregon there. The tempo is quick. Fast players on um, both sides of the football, dynamic players on both sides of the football. They play good football, and for us, we should take it as this is a challenge for us to let people know and let ourselves know that, you know, last year wasn't a fluke. We didn't just do that, you know, because, you know, things fell in line for us, and it was just that that's what happened. Thing We got lucky. You know, we don't want people to think that we're lucky. We want people to know that we work for what we got, and um, we deserve to be where we're at right now. So <clears throat> the fact that we're playing Oregon, the the team that everybody says is going to be so great next year, we're hyped. You know, we're ready. We, you know, chip on our shoulder. We're ready to go play. Yeah, it'll definitely be an exciting game. And, and regardless, just scheduling that game helps you guys out before the season even starts. You know, just like in basketball, you see a team who's famous for doing this, Michigan State, on the on the hardwood is scheduling tough games non-conference to help build your resume for when they're going through the selection process and putting you where in the NCAA tournament. And just like there's going to be a selection process for the college football playoff, you know, they're not going to look too kindly to teams who are scheduling some cupcake games, you know, hate to, hate to beat on the, the rivals in the state, but you know, Michigan, they're scheduling teams like Appalachian state, I'm not sure what they're doing there. They're just asking for a repeat performance of what happened earlier. And uh, you know, teams like Miami, Ohio, and you know, they got, you know, they have a game against Notre Dame and stuff like that, but nothing really nothing really stands out too much until they get into the Big Ten in which they have a pretty pretty tough schedule. But mm-hmm. you know, notoriously the Big Ten doesn't get that much love when it comes down to it, although yeah. the Big Ten has been resurging with teams like yourselves and Ohio State. But scheduling that game against Oregon is gigantic. Just seeing that, you know, you guys have, I'm not going to say you guys have the guts to go out there, schedule a tough game, a tough game on the road. And, you know, if you guys can come out with a win, which I think is, is you know, is a good chance mm-hmm. looking at what's been happening with this program and just the matchups and everything, that automatically would put you guys in kind of the forefront of everybody's minds going into the conference schedule, seeing, okay, well, let's see who has these primary wins non-conference. Michigan State going at Oregon second week of the season, that's a gigantic one. Yeah. That's that's a huge win that would probably give you guys, I think, the best resume. Uh, I would have to look at other team schedules, of course, but you know, at least up there, top four resumes going into conference season. So that's, yeah, you know, I that's think huge. You, yeah, you hit it right on the nail. I don't think any team wants I mean in especially if you're in like a big conference like the Big Ten well known just just like any other conference pack Pac-12 SEC you know the the uh, the other conferences you know you you don't want to be that team that's just like not willing to step step out on limb and play some somebody that you know is like really good like the Alabamas the Oregons the the USC all these good teams you know what I'm saying we we want to be able to prove like I said earlier prove to ourselves and everybody that's following us or Everybody that has their eye on us that 
we're not scared to play anybody um, across the country, you know, and that's what Coach D talks to us about. Mostly we have to be, we have to be uh, well-rounded. We can't just, you know what I'm saying, um, be any, and be like mediocre at all. You know, if you want to be a top team, you got to play the top teams and that's how it is. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? And you got to play them. Exactly. And it only helps us. It only helps us playing big teams in the beginning of the season and then going throughout our schedule. Our schedule is not easy either. We got got Penn State, Ohio State. Um, I don't think we play Wisconsin this year, but uh, we got all these good teams that we're going up against, you know, the more the merrier, you know. We got to play as many good teams as we can to get to that big stage. It's just practice. Yeah, man, that's the great bring-it-on attitude. And you brought up a good point saying – you know, no matter what, playing in a game like that will just help you down the road. You know, you see it a lot more in, in, I think, in sports like basketball because you're forced to play a tough non-conference going into the season, but you're going to start seeing it more now in football like we'll see this year. But not only just playing a tough team, but playing a team that has that kind of pace as Oregon will help, you know, in games where you have to go against Braxton Miller. If you've already played against a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, who... Or Indiana, a team that kind of prides themselves on the no huddle and going fast, just like Oregon does. You know? Yeah, you know, that's probably even a better example, just pure offense-wise. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're they fast. They, yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, they put up the most points on the defense, on Michigan State's defense last year, which is no easy feat. You know, they put up more than Ohio State did. They put up more than Stanford did. Yeah. Uh, may not have been as close of games, but they do have that fast-paced, strike-quick, really fast track star, yeah, Yeah, quick-pace offense. I think I heard a a statistic about that. Um, You know how you get 24 seconds worth of clock to run a play? Mm -hmm. Well, if you cut that in half, that's that's their goal. They're trying to get up on the line at 12 seconds and run a play. So every 12 seconds, they're trying to get up and run a play. So right when the ball is hiked, the ball is t- the ball is placed down on the line of scrimmage or whatever. Twelve seconds to get to the line and run a play. That's what they do. That's that's a that's, that's really that's cutting down half the clock. And I don't, you know, people are just it's hard to stop. But once you stop them, then it's like boom, you know, you get the hang of it. That's that's what I think our defense is good at. I mean, Indiana, you see how the fast paced tempo kind of takes a while to get under control, but once you got it and you got the momentum, then boom. You have it. Well, yeah, it's a, that's a good example to bring up because I remember watching that game last year and they're running back Tevin Coleman, one of those fast, quick, just hit the hole and he's gone type runners. Uh, he bust a 60-something yard touchdown mm-hmm. early in the first quarter. People were like, oh, man, you know, these guys are fast. Maybe they were sleeping on him a little bit, but that was just yet another game that the defense held a team under 100 yards rushing. Slowly but surely they – start to pick up on little things that were happening during the game. And as the game goes on, as the flow of the game continues, like I said, our defense is real good at picking up on what people do and adjusting to the situation. And that's one. That's another thing we practice, you know, adjusting to what is thrown at us. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's something that the defensive side, you know, they focus on a lot more than, you know, we do. You know, offense is more so getting your tempo going, the pace of the game for mm-hmm for us to get going, but the defense is more so stop what's coming at you, and they do a good job of doing that. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why, at least preseason looking at it, that I like us in that matchup 
mm-hmm. is you see one of the teams that in this span where Oregon has rise to a kind of dominance in college football and their dominance through their speed. One team that has given them fits throughout the years is Stanford. A hard nose run at you. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, kind of similar to us, and that's exactly what we do. Yeah, and you know that team is no secret to Michigan State fans anymore. After yeah. after watching the Rose Bowl, and all you need to do is watch the Rose Bowl, which one of those teams came out on top. So if we can play their game better than Stanford plays their game, who in their game can shut down Oregon? I don't. I don't see any reason why we can't bring that kind of mentality back into 2014 and impose the will, mm-hmm. you know, on offense, kind of eat up some clock, work hard. Give them some time off mm-hmm. the field, let them catch a ref, come back on the field and do what they do. And if we just keep that simple the whole game, it won't, it won't be a problem. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, throwing no negative words out there or, you know, predicting what's going to happen. But if we play our game, things should go, should go good. Should go good. And I know it's going to be a good game because Oregon is a great team. They have so many good players. Um, it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Absolutely. And as a fan, personally, I can't wait. You know, I'm excited. And I'm sure you guys as players are chomping at the bit, ready to get out there, kind of prove yourselves on the national spotlight earlier in the season than you guys mm-hmm. are used to. So, you know, that'll be definitely one to check on the schedules. Tune in. You know, it's, it's, it's not at home, but 6.30 Eastern time at Oregon. It'll be 3, 3.30 their time, that is. Uh, and it'll be... It'll be an exciting game for mm-hmm. sure. Two gladiators of college football, two preseason, you know, kind of maybe not favorites, but teams that are floating around that playoff area. Different styles of two play. contradicting styles, yeah, exactly. yeah. So we'll it's gonna be an exciting game. Absolutely, can't deny that. So switching gears here really quick. I already took a mini jab. I'm not even gonna call it a jab. More like a little left hook at Michigan. So. You know, I'll kind of dig deeper. If I already started that up, I might as well keep on going. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some recruiting really quickly now. So I'm going to break down a situation, just about two guys really quickly. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about what it might mean, if there's some conspiracy theories rolling around, if those are true or not, or have any merit. But let's just, here's the situation. So Michigan State on April 19th got a verbal commitment from a then four-star quarterback, Brian, excuse me, LeWerk, out of Arizona. Michigan, uh, a couple weeks later, got another quarterback commit, Alex Malzone from, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Brother Rice here in Michigan, and he was a then three-star commit. So Rivals.com, everybody knows Rivals if you're following college sports, any college recruiting and stuff there. They're pretty much the main college recruiting database out there. Uh, a little bit after, let's see, it was about mid-May, they released their latest 2015 rankings and oddly kind of shifted those two guys. So the Michigan State commitment, uh, he drops down to a three-star. The Michigan commit drops to, or not drops, excuse me, rises to a four-star. And that set off the Michigan State fans, let me tell you. So they started just bombarding rivals with emails essentially accusing them of bumping up players who have committed to schools where their fans have subscribed more 
to rivals.com and are paying money to the to the website. So obviously teams like Michigan, like Florida State, like Alabama, teams with huge fan bases are going to have more people subscribing to those databases like Rivals. And you know, not that Michigan State doesn't have a huge fan base or anything, but compared to Michigan it's a little bit lower. So they're arguing that these players get bumped up ratings just because of who they're committing to. And that means other players have to drop because of it. So a couple couple stats looking at it. Since 2007, looking at Rivals.com. So since 2007, Michigan's average national recruiting ranking is 11, and Michigan State's is 34. But, you know, something that some of these Michigan State fans are bringing up, talking conspiracy and crazy stuff, is over those years... Michigan State's averaging nine wins a year and seem to be improving and have two Big Ten championships and a 5-2 and two record over Michigan themselves while Michigan is averaging seven wins, seemingly dropping each year and have no Big Ten titles. So let me ask you what you think about this because I'm really not sure what I think. Do you think there's any kind of, I don't know if I should call it a conspiracy, but tampering going on with some of these sites depending on who these guys are committing to or do you think it's simply just because Michigan State's doing more with less uh I think it's a little bit of both you know the school like U of M has a lot of prestige a lot of fans you know and just like any other big school like Alabama or Florida State like you said they have a lot of fans and they're putting money into these these sites where uh recruiting sites where um the people that they get, the commits that they get are like generally rated higher, like four or five star. And you see it all the time, like the Florida States get all these five stars. The Michigans get all these four or five stars, Alabama, same way. But um, I feel like the stars shouldn't matter. If you're a playmaker, you're a playmaker wherever you go. So a good example, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was a huge playmaker for us. He did all, he did, he did good while he was here. And if I'm not mistaken, Le'Veon came out of high school with only two stars. That's correct. And uh that could really be the that could really be the conclusion to that argument. Like the stars don't matter. And Le'Veon's doing well with Pittsburgh right now. So I, I don't think stars should dictate a player's like abilities and rankings. I, I feel like when a player graduates from high school, his college career begins you shouldn't go off of what he did in high school and give him you know all the accolades and stuff coming into college when he comes to college he should prove himself first and do what he has to do throughout his college career before you you know kind of give a give a guy a uh, I guess a synopsis of you know his abilities and all that stuff so I feel like the stars shouldn't really matter but then again I mean it's all for the public you know rivals is just all for the public to you know keep them in the loop, obviously, of what's going on and what teams are doing what with all these prospects and stuff. This is all publicity, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I I largely agree with what you had to say there because at the end of the day, they are running a business, and it's a pretty lucrative business. People want to know who are who's coming into their school, especially boosters. You know, they're putting money into these mm-hmm. programs. They want to know who's coming in, what kind of talent are you bringing in, all that, blah, 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 you know. I think Michigan State fans should start to learn that it doesn't 
matter that matter. much. Like you exactly. said, you know, focus more on what the coaches have done with well, players of the same quote-unquote caliber mm-hmm. that they rank in the past. And you brought up a great example in Le'Veon Bell. A couple more two-star recruits coming out of high school that have been successful for Michigan State. Darquez Denard, mm-hmm. the nation's top cornerback last yeah. year. Two-star recruit. Kirk Cousins, you know, one of the best quarterbacks at Michigan State of all time statistically. Uh, Trey Waynes, current guy who's who had a great year last year as a sophomore and is, is looking to step into a, a big leadership role this year. Those were all guys who were two-stars, you know, and I can think of some people, again, if I'm picking on Michigan, uh, five-star guys who turned out to really do nothing. I think of the first, the first guy that comes off the top of my mind is William Campbell from Detroit Cast Tech. He was one of the biggest recruits in uh, in his class. I can't remember exactly what year it was. You know, a five-star recruit guy, came in super hyped up, and I think he barely saw the field in his college career. You know, so it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these sites do see, okay, oh, he committed to, let's say, Alabama, and they have X amount of people subscribing to our site, and they are, I mean, if they keep, if we want them to keep subscribing, let's bump this guy's rating up a little bit, you know, the next evaluation period. If he does do good things, maybe we'll bump him up a little more than the guys that are committed to, say, Ole Miss or something, if we're sticking in the SEC, just like it would be with Michigan and Michigan State in the Big Ten. You know, teams like Ohio State and Michigan, they're going to get those guys, I think, bumped up a little bit extra just because of, the name of the university and the amount of alumni they have spending money on the site. But at the end of the day, you know, it really doesn't matter. Like you said, what you did in high school, you did in high school yeah. and you're playing against high school kids. You're not playing against high school kids anymore. Exactly. You know, I don't think people should don't think that these colleges are actually going for these kids because of the, the amount of stars they have. It's not, that is not the case. It's far from the case. Colleges go for kids who they really need, like in dire need, and like the position that they're requiring. If they just lost X amount of players in one position, that's what they're going after. It doesn't matter if you know you have six or five stars. If you if you fit the mold of that team, like the char- char- characteristics of you know who you are as a person, that goes all in in like in into it when co- college is recruiting. These kids is not just about the stars. Do you fit the mold of this team? If we implement you into this team right now, will you fit? Will you're a piece to this puzzle? Will you be able to complete the piece to this puzzle? And it's not all about stars. So that's another fact that people should really look at. Yeah, and I think, again, like you said, fitting the pieces into a puzzle, that's something that Michigan State and both the main sports, basketball and football, have been known for doing um, in the last you know, at least five years, 10 years, depending on who you're talking about. You know, you see people like Tom Izzo is widely known as people kind of question some of the guys he brings in, but he knows what he wants in his system. And he goes and watches some of these kids play. And if he sees the kind of attributes that somebody might show off that he wants in his system, he'll go ahead and fly them an offer. And they might not be the highest recruited guy because... Other teams are looking for other people in their system, you know. And, and a guy that kind of reminds me of of Tom Izzo in that aspect 
would be Pat Narduzzi, the defensive coordinator. He knows who he wants in his system. And some of these guys, Darquez Zanard, Trey Waynes, they're not the highest rated guys in the nation. They're far from it, coming out of high school at least. But he sees something that he likes in those guys, and he, he feels like he can implement them into his defense. And eventually they start to flourish under it and become way more than what they were thought of coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. It's just, can you fit the mold of this team? Can you help us get to where we got to go? And that ju- is not just about abilities. You know, we're talking about personality, like what do you bring to the team, charisma, stuff like that. It's, all that goes into being recruited because I know when they're in my process, that's all Coach D talked about. Are you the type of guy that we can not only develop as a football player but as a man too? Can you? Are you a good man? And that's what he looks for, and that's why I think our team gels like we do. We're all, you know, we're all good people. You know, we come together good. You know, it's a team is just like a a fine wine, a fine aged wine. You know what I'm saying? So if you put, if you drop like, if you drop like some acid in fine wine, the whole wine is messed up. So a coach does not want a player that will mess up his fine wine. If you look at it like that, you can't go wrong. I was I was smiling at you a little bit at first when you brought up that analogy, but I like it now that if you the really more you said it, about it, it makes sense. You know I like I mean? it. Yeah, like one drop of acid will mess up a wine. Is it? You can you can <laughs> you know you can equivalent that to anything in life. You know what I'm saying? You just like put something together. If you're making a puzzle, you can't put the wrong piece in the puzzle because then the puzzle won't be complete. There's a, mm-hmm. a lot of analogies that can you know is similar to a football team. All right. Well, I don't know how much you know about your wines, but if Michigan State football was a fine wine, what wine would Michigan State football I be? I can't. I don't know. See, there, you got me. I don't know. The, I don't know nothing about no wine. I just made that up right then. I like it. Well, if people, we'll let the people decide that. What kind of fine wine Michigan State football That's is? A good question. You'll get an interesting group of people answering that question, but I couldn't tell you either. I don't know about. I don't, know, I don't really know much about wine, but I know if you. Drop something in that that's not supposed to be in there. It's gonna mess it up. I know yeah, it's gonna sure. taste funky. It's, it's not just, gonna sit right. Right. It's just gonna throw the whole thing off. Nah. All right. <laughs> I love that analogy, man. <laughs> We're gonna switch gears one more time here. Now we've been agreeing a lot, so it's time to insert maybe a little bit of debate into this show. So I haven't heard your list. I'm excited to hear it. Uh, We're gonna list off each of our top ten players. In the Big Ten this year, preseason rankings, you know, a lot of stuff can happen from now until the first kickoff, and a lot more happens between that first kickoff and the last kickoff. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I'll just start listing mine off. If you see anybody that you're kind of questioning or you think I'd put them in the wrong place, just interject, call me stupid, whatever. But without further ado, here we go. At number 10, I got the D lineman from Nebraska, Randy Gregory. Dude kind of reminds me of Shalik. He was doing a lot against us last season from what I remember. We got number 9 from Michigan State, Jeremy Langford. Um, I think this guy is largely underrated going into the season. I was reading an article on Bleacher Report, and they listed the running backs as Michigan State's weakest unit going into the year. That dude should be fired immediately for saying that. Jeremy Langford is a guy who improved pretty much every single game last season. 
had a the last seven games, I believe, of the regular season, had a, over 100 yards rushing and led the Big Ten in touchdowns with 18. So, uh, again, that that guy should at least be ashamed of himself for saying that. He didn't do his research, and it takes a minimal amount of research to see that. Keeping it in town, I got Connor Cook at number eight, another guy who improved every single game of the season, and he wasn't even the starter until... I think the third game, so he'll actually have a full season of starting under his belt. I think he'll be great this year. Number seven, I got running back Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin. Wisconsin always has those gigantic offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just, you know, the huge NFL-sized linemen, and they're known for having good running backs, and this is a guy that averaged, I believe it was 8.2 yards per carry last year, which is Obviously going to drop with an increased workload, but this guy's got some juice. Mm -hmm. At number six, we were talking a little bit about Indiana's speed. I got their wide receiver, Shane Wynn. Uh, He had, you know, not eye-popping numbers last year, but he's the only returner of Indiana's top four receivers coming back. I figure he'll get a bulk of, of the looks this coming season. Number five, running back Amir Abdullah from Nebraska. Excuse me. He was, I believe, the first running back to amass 100 yards on Michigan State's defense last year. And that's no easy task. We've talked a lot about about how good the defense is that we got. So, And he's a smaller guy, too. I didn't think he'd be able to do it, but he, he kind of cut us up during some plays. So I'm expecting him to get a, a bigger workload with Taylor Martinez leaving there. Number four. I'm not sure whether to call him a tight end or a wide receiver, but I got to give a little bit of love to Michigan after kicking him around a little bit. Devin Funchess, you know, he's one of those matchup nightmares, a big tight end sized guy who you can split wide and run down the field. And we know that Devin Gardner, assuming he'll be the quarterback this season, likes to sling it around. Uh, number three, got to have another Spartan in here, of course, Shalit Calhoun. Had a monster season. Nobody had heard of him before the year, but was a household name by the end of the year. And I think he's, I mean, just going to keep getting better, which is a scary thought for opposing offenses. It's terrifying, actually. I met him in person a week or two ago, and he's a big man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, got quarterback Braxton Miller from Ohio State. You know, say what you want about his mechanics being kind of gross and all that. He's just a flat-out playmaker when it comes to it. Number one, I got kind of random on this one, but had to give a little love to some of the new Big Ten teams. I'm I got... Res- guess who you picked for number one. Who's that? Is he a wide receiver? Yeah. Stefan Diggs. Yeah. <laughs> from Maryland. You read my mind. <laughs> yeah. He was going to be my number one, too, but I gave my number one to Braxton. Okay. I gave him... Um, number one, but you can go ahead and continue. Like what, like what makes Stefan number one in your mind? You know, I think I, I was debating between him and Braxton. I think I was just intrigued by him since I haven't really seen him play that much. Uh, from what I've read about him though, he's had some injury problems, but I've seen some highlights and he is quick. He's got NFL level agility and speed i think 
in pretty solid hands. You know, I was kind of wary to put him at number one because Maryland's quarterback situation's a little up in the air, but I think if, if things go right for him, he can be the top player. It's a good guess, though. Yeah. You're reading my mind. Yeah, because, I, I mean, basically had the same list. My list is not too different from yours, but I'll go from 10 to 1. So my first one is um, a Wisconsin uh, O-lineman, Rob uh, Havenstein. He's a big dude, you know, like you said. Um, Wisconsin is known for their offensive linemen, and their running game is pretty stout. So I put him at number 10. They're probably going to need him to help Melvin, you know, get the ball rolling. I got Melvin yeah. on here too. Of course. But, um, my number nine is Amir Abdullah from uh, Nebraska. Real quick dude, um, shifty, uh, very fast. He's on kickoff return, I think. He, he did a little bit of kickoff return. If I'm not mistaken, but uh, when when he has the ball in his hands, he can do a lot of things with it. Uh, number eight is my man Connor, because because uh, of the production he had last year, and like you said, he didn't start all the games, but when he was in the game, he made a lot of plays. Um, and he's he hasn't reached his peak yet or his potential, in his peak or potential. Um, he has a lot he needs to learn and a lot he needs to work on, but um, just off of what you've seen last year, he could be great. Absolutely. Uh, uh, number seven, uh, Kenny Bell from Nebraska. Good hands, tall receiver. Not not too tall, but good size receiver. Um, good hands, good speed. Uh, runs nice routes, and um, he makes plays all over the field as well. And uh, my number six goes to Noah Spence from Ohio State. Big guy, real big uh, defensive lineman. Very physical. You have to be nasty to play. In the trenches, um, he's uh, he, he's going to be someone to watch out for next year. Um, my number five is Jeremy, Jeremy Langford for uh, MSU. Go green. Um, he showed out last year, his, uh, his um, breakout year. Um, just like Connor, he hasn't reached his full potential yet either. We're all working on things this summer that, you know, maybe last, uh, last year that we didn't really, you know, put an emphasis on. But I feel like Jeremy is going to do a lot better than he did this year and um, going to carry the load for us on that offensive side of the ball. Uh, For number four, I got Jack Allen. Now, if you know Jack, now, like I know him, I I mean, I wouldn't expect you to know him, but Jack is a a, a, a pretty funny dude, but when it comes time for it, he's the type of dude you want to take to a war. Like, he's he's ready to go at all times. He's physical. I think he might have won some state championships in high school for wrestling. So he's he he knows what he's doing up up front. Um, he plays center and guard sometimes. Sometimes they switch him and Travis around. But um, talk about a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, knows the playbook like the back of his hand. Can play any position on the line. Um, just a good leader, uh, if I had to say so myself. And then. Um, my number three is Stefan. I didn't put him number one because um, I put I saved that one for Braxton, like I said. But Stefan, like you said, he's, he's a good player, uh, real fast, has good hands. Um, yeah, he's dynamic when the ball is in his hands. He returns punts and kickoff returns and stuff like that. So you put him on the field, he's liable to bust one every time he gets it. Um, number two is Shalik. Uh, he, he stood out last year. Uh, I think he won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, or did he win Defensive Player of the Year? 
There's there's so many different awards. He won a defensive player of the year. I believe Darquez won the I think the coaches gave him the defensive player of the year. So he won he won something. He, the when I was talking to him cuz when he was on Al Martin's show a little bit ago, he was saying he got defensive player of the year from some website who they they're one of those number crunching websites, you know. They, yeah, they got all the factor in, you know, what kind of play it was. If it was on the third down, an important play in the fourth quarter, all this crazy numbers game stuff that's over my head, frankly. Mm-hmm. A lot of math involved in it, but that website gave him the Defensive Player of the Year award. Okay, well, like I said, um, just like the other Spartans on the on the on the list. Um, we all have what we all have things we need to work on, and as much as Shalik made a lot of plays last year and he he did so many things, like I said, he still has a lot he needs to work on. And imagine if he did all that stuff this summer and exploded next year, you know, as a uh, as a dynamic player on defense for us. And I just you know I'm excited for him and uh, everything he's he's done because he is in my class. We came in together. We're good friends. Uh, so is Jack and Connor. We're all good friends, but you know, just to see my fellow teammates, you know, on the stage that they're on, on the stage that they're on and doing so good, it just makes me happy as a as a teammate. But um, for my number one, Braxton, uh, he's an explosive guy too. I mean, ah, uh, just explosive, uh, fast. He has an arm. He can throw the ball. Um, uh, I feel like. When it comes to the the quarterbacks that do a lot of moving, the the main thing with them is can they sit in the pocket and actually break down the defense, you know, the coverages and stuff like that. That's that would probably be the only thing that <clears throat> people look out for this year, um, as far as his game is concerned. But if I had to put somebody at one, it right now, you know, being um a candidate for the Heisman, Braxton is uh He's number one on my list. Yeah, you know, I was expecting a little more debate, frankly, but like you said, the top ten lists were pretty close, pretty similar. And I, you know what? I just like, I just made mine. Just I did too. It. You know, I mean, I guess there's a lot that can happen, but the Big Ten is chock full of great players yeah. this year. It was it was funny seeing that we had a lot of the same because there was. A lot of people that I was kind of fiddling around with, wondering, oh, are they top ten? Are they not? Yeah, same here. You know, guys like, like Jack Allen. I was I was thinking about putting him him in there. Just kind of decided against it. No hating on him. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. I tried to not be biased either. You know, we don't want that on on this show. We try to avoid any biases. But, you know, I. I think one of the reasons why I kept Braxton away from one is I've just been sick of hearing about Ohio State is the team to beat in the Big Ten. Um, All this offseason stuff going into next year, I guess a little bonus topic we can bring up here. Um, What is it like for you guys hearing, you know, I kind of talked about this with you guys are playing Oregon and people are projecting Oregon to go in the playoffs probably meaning that they think that they're going to beat you guys in the second week of the season. But what's it like being the defending Big Ten champs, bringing back what you're bringing, beating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, but yet 
Ohio State is still projected to win the Big Ten this upcoming year. I feel like everybody really, uh, before every football season, has that that team that's just always going to be in the running for the for the championship game, like a uh, Michigan or Ohio State, just because, like we talked about earlier, how many fans they have and the prestige of the school, uh, the history they have. I feel like people shouldn't even really, if you're a Spartan fan, I'm not saying you shouldn't worry about it, but, you know, we're not going off of what we did last year. But if you look at last year, you know, we really, I'm not going to say we don't have any worries, but we ain't scared either. You know, we mm-hmm. played Ohio State on the big stage, Big Ten Championship, and the outcome was a W, right? So, I mean, right. people can say all they want to about the preseason rankings. That's why it's called preseason. We're not in season yet is what people think is going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. They're just putting it on paper right now. And all we have to do is really focus on us. If we focus on what we got to do, then the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Oregons, they'll take care of themselves. So, that's a, I mean, I don't think you should worry about that. All the the hype, I don't know. You know, you hear Ohio State all the time and everybody's like, Man, well, we beat them last year. Well, yeah, we it's on paper. We did beat them, but... It's a new year, and, I mean, I feel like every year it's the same thing. Oh, Ohio State's going to win it this year. Ohio State was supposed to win it last year. Oh, Ohio State, you know, Ohio State that. and Nothing against them, but that's just how it is. They they have a lot of history, you know, and the fan base and all that, so they're going to put stuff out there like that because that's what they want the fans to hear. Yeah, I mean, can't deny with that history. That's a good point, you know. It's not really something to worry about. Maybe I'm just – predisposed to disliking Ohio State, you know. I'm ain't a, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a, a Michigan State fan who grew up in a strict Michigan household um, with some Michigan State in it, so I never obviously grew up loving Michigan State, but Ohio State, I was always taught, is There's always the, bad, the yeah. dark side, yeah. you know, if we're talking Star Wars terms. So I think that's just something that's deeply ingrained, and when I see – these projections and all that just is slightly annoying. Can't you know, lie. I mean, you should keep that attitude. Just keep that because when things go your way, you know, then you'll be happy. Just like last year, you know, we Could came out happier. with a win. I'm pretty sure you celebrated because you don't like Ohio State. And you were <laughs> happy. So, hey, we're just going to try to do the best we can this year to repeat what happened, you know. So that's all you got to do. Just have that. Have that hate down in there because, you know, I do for both of those teams, Michigan and Ohio State. So I just, you know, keep that dwelling in there and we'll try to repeat for you. We'll try to repeat for you. Oh, man, you're too nice. And in all of Spartan Nation, I'm sure that's that's all they can ask for right now. Yeah. And I, I don't think that a lot of them will be dwelling their hate deep down. They like to flaunt it every which way they can, especially at Michigan. But we'll just we'll leave that to the fans. Y'all y'all say what you want. Because in when when it comes down to it on the field, we'll we got y'all back. We got y'all back. We as the Spartans, we hey, have y'all back. And both those games are at home, so trust me, I'll be in the press box. But I'll just speak for the student body as a whole. We got your back too. It'll be there. You go rowdy. It'll be crazy. It'll be out of control there. Just make sure you're there. Oh, I'm there. I have to be there. But don't you don't need to worry about people coming in. Those games are gonna be packed okay. like over capacity probably but hey you good andre i'm 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 hey we had, that was a nice little topic we had you know top 10 uh college the 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 uh, the playoff system um it was uh, that was a good conversation i like that one 
That was real good. Yeah, man, a whole lot to be excited about. Like you said, just another week. We'll probably be at you in another week or so with more updates and more to talk about as the summer heats up. As always with my man, Andre Sims, I'm your host, Dan Tyler. Take it easy, East Lansing. Enjoy your summer.